Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Pictures, and we have not stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the very often made-for-TV movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today, we are talking about 2003's The Lizzie McGuire Movie. Nothing ever seems to go my way. But now, the trip of a lifetime will change all of that. Okay. Uh, Honey. Mom. Honey, she can't breathe. I'm going to the place I've been dreaming about my whole life. The greatest city on Earth. La Chita Eterna. Rome, the eternal city. Did no one read the info packets? Goodbye, home. Hello, Rome. People have come from all over the world to make a wish and toss their coin in the Trevi Fountain. Now, I won't tell you what I wish for. But what I got... Isabella? Huh? Was Europe's hottest pop star. Isabella used to be my singing partner, and you're like twins. Cool! But we broke up. I have this crazy idea that maybe you can take her place. Walt Disney Pictures presents... And today, we are so excited to have two guests with us, Melissa and Mia of youthculture2000.com. So welcome, Melissa and Mia. Hi. 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 Thanks for being here. Uh, So we're so happy to have both of you here to talk with us about such, you know, like a quintessential film of our beloved canon. Um, But I was actually just wondering if, Audrey, you could explain how we came into contact with Melissa and Mia. Okay. So it all comes down to TikTok, you know, Um, just... What doesn't? <laughs> you know, qu- quarantine life is really, it's, it's all boiled down to that. I'm trying to remember what the first thing I saw was. I, I don't remember. I'm uh, guessing it was one, I think it would have been the one where it was me, Melissa. I'm in like a pink sweater. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just, yeah. And I'm just like, hey, we have this website mm-hmm. in a zine. I think that, that was the first one that like took off. Yes. Yeah, that was probably the one that came onto my, or was it, it might have even been Hannah's. It was one of our For You pages. And we were like, oh, like that. Yes. These are our people. We were like, (laughs) we need to speak to them. (laughs) That's so awesome. You know, we got got that message from you guys. It was so cool because it's like, yeah, yeah, we completely, you guys, your interests are so much what we like to talk about too. So, would you both just kind of explain the zine and the website a little bit for those who do not know what it is? Yeah. Um, Youth Culture 2000 is like a creative project that we're working on together. And it started just as a zine that was even like on paper. We started collaging a zine and then decided to make it digital because it's all 2000s themed. It's talking about our experiences and 2000s culture in general and kind of taking a critical look back on how that made us into who we are today. And so it started as the zine and now has just grown into this super cool thing in a community um, on the internet. As Mia just said, kind of has turned into a community because with our website, we create that website to sort of house the zine initially. And then we had these sort of fake um, older style social media profiles just to be like uh, an introducing us thing on the site. But then clearly people wanted to, the actual interaction of social media, of like an older social media experience, like early internet. So we also started something called the Youth Culture Network, which um, is also on the Youth Culture 2000 site and people can sign up and have a profile and talk um, and meet people. And yeah, it's also just really like, it is a 
creative project that follows the zine and the website. It's also just, it kind of encompasses like a movement and a feeling to us that we want to make a lot of different things under. Hell yeah. Nice. That's cool. Hannah and I have both made our profiles. (laughs) Yes. They're great. Yeah. I've seen, I remember I saw one of yours at least. Yeah. And yeah, it was fun because I used my photo from this podcast, which is like a fake, like, teen magazine thing basically like a (laughs) fake um pop star poster and I was like oh this is perfect like that's awesome I think I saw that that picture is so good yeah (laughs) thank you thank you that's Audrey's specialty is whipping up like mock mock uh teen poster yeah content for (laughs) us oh my god I'll I'll wait I'll pay you to make yeah can you make us some wait collab another collab coming oh my god yes no you don't need to pay me I will just do it amazing so uh show us these outfits and and the concepts behind them right now um so with the fact that we're watching the Lizzie McGuire movie tonight I'm wearing my eBay purchased children's Lizzie McGuire top as a crop top. Um, yeah. And I have like, you know, sort of like low uh, green cargo-y 2000D pants on, low choker. Yeah, just like, uh, you know, a Lizzie. I actually bought this shirt because in 2019 with um, a friend of mine, we were Lizzie and Miranda for Halloween. So oh, this nice. was this was me like doing a very overt Lizzie thing. And even with it on my shirt, like people just thought they were like, oh, you're dressed as yourself. They were like, okay. <laughs> and so wasn't much of a costume, but yeah. So I'm kind of doing a Lizzie look tonight. Um, since Miranda wasn't in the Lizzie McGuire movie, I had to serve some matte energy. <laughs> so <laughs> I have this, you know, nice t-shirt with whatever you want to call this on the outside. And then I have my camera so I can record Lizzie doing embarrassing things and Thank goggles you for all so of my good. secret missions. I also feel like Lizzie and Matt really more encompass our energy. So yeah. like Miranda encompasses <laughs> your energy. I feel like it makes sense. I agree. And I also did have this Matt outfit on hand. Yeah. So <laughs> you can see some inspiration. Just think things in your closet that just make sense. You're Matt. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Beautiful. Cool. Okay. Well, so we'll put all your social media information in the notes for this episode. So everyone who's cool. listening should go follow them as a as a creative entity and as individuals. Um, so are we ready to get into this movie right now? Yes. yes. Okay. So as we always do on Sleepover Cinema, we are going to start with the facts and just feel free to react at will to any of these facts. <laughs> So um, this movie, the Lizzie McGuire movie, premiered in theaters on May 2nd, 2003. If you're a listener of Sleepover Cinema, you know that the summer of 2003 was perhaps um, the apex of culture that we talk about (laughs) in the sense that uh, Metamorphosis came out, Hilary Duff's album, The Cheetah Girls Mm. came out, Beyonce's first solo album, uh, the It's Totally Raining Teens Vanity Fair spread. Oh my, I just sent those <laughs> yeah, to you. Yeah, I just me sent, I, was, I needed to check them out. Oh right my away. God, that's so funny. We were just, because <laughs> my roommate sent them to me, and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> This movie was directed by Jim Fall, who um, I did not know shit about this man. And I <laughs> looked at his IMDb and in turn discovered what may be uh, the most surprising thing I possibly could have come across, which was he directed this movie called Wedding Wars, which when I heard that, I thought it meant Bride Wars, the one with yeah, Anne, Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. Yeah, but no, no. Wedding Wars, um, this, is the log- this is what Wedding Wars is. This is the plot synopsis. After a gay party planner discovers his brother is behind the governor's speech against gay marriage, he decides to go on strike for equal rights. <laughs> not, not only is that the plot, but the main character is played by John Stamos. <laughs> what? Isn't the gay character? The gay character. Yeah. The gay lead is played okay. by John Stamos. And the I, artwork for the for the movie is just a picture of him holding a sign that says gays on strike. Oh my god. I feel like just, this is not the representation we need. John it's, it's not, but then the crazy I thing also, was I I watched the first five minutes of it and uh he actually is like not acting stereotypically at all. He's just acting like himself, and he just happens to be gay, which is kind of incredible, especially for 2006. I didn't, 
I didn't know John Stamos was such an ally. Like I just <laughs> yeah. like I'm very happy. I'm very happy to know Uncle Jesse's an ally. Like I knew he would be, but like I'm I'm just like glad. Like wow. So then uh, there's three writers. Well, there's really four writers on the movie. First one is Susan Estelle Jason. She was the executive producer of Lizzie McGuire and was also a producer on Boy Meets World and You Wish. So then you have Ed Dector and John J. Strauss, and they are a writing duo, is what I have uh, deduced here. Uh, <laughs> Um, Ed and John together worked on like Boy Meets World. Uh, some they were both on There's Something About Mary, and then interestingly, Ed wrote The Santa Claus Two, and John wrote The Santa Claus Three. So <laughs> there's something there. I literally Amazing. watched this. I watched The Santa Claus Three last night. Oh, why? <laughs> because it's Christmas time. <laughs> Wait, is there so? Because it's actually funny. Because last night I was talking about the Santa Claus with my roommates, and my roommate's boyfriend is like, "We had the only one I watched is the third one," and I was like, oh. "Why the third one?" He's like, "Because Jack Frost is in it," and I was like, "Okay, exactly." I mean. it's just it has Martin Short. It has Martin Short, and that's why you watch it. Amazing. And then the last writer I have listed was the character creator, Terry Minsky, who was, like, the creator of Lizzie McGuire. Um, and she also created the Gina Davis show, which I did not know was a thing, but apparently it was. Um, Less Than Perfect and Andy Mack. So that's, mm. like, the creative team behind this thing. Um, now on to the plot synopsis. So most of us know the plot of this movie already. However, we love to read the descriptions from Disney+. Plus. Uh, so... Audrey, would you be able to read the description? Yeah. Cool. Okay, so plot synopsis. Lizzie McGuire and her pals celebrate graduation with a class trip to Italy. Once there, Lizzie is mistaken for Isabella, Italy's biggest pop diva, and begins to fall for Paolo, Isabella's former boyfriend and singing partner. My favorite part of just getting the facts out is talking about the taglines because... Oh, yes. The shit that they come up with is truly comical most of the time. So, Audrey, again, yeah. in the grand tradition, will you do the honors <laughs> of reading these yes. taglines? All right, so first tagline is Lizzie McGuire goes to Rome. All right, that's very basic. <laughs> very creative. <laughs> um, that one's not very fun. The second one. The only risk in taking an adventure is not taking it at all. I love when I take adventures. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't love that one either. The third one's kind of funny. It's just she's going places. And she is. Really they did run. <laughs> and they they, they are being they are being factual. So now for the cast, none of this is really uh, groundbreaking or new for the most part. We have Hilary Duff as Lizzie slash Isabella. But interestingly, uh, the vocals for Isabella were done by Haley Duff. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about that the other night because mm -hmm. it's like, you know, it's like a it's they do have kind of similar voices, but it is a bit different when right. you hear Isabella sing. And yes. there's also moments where Lizzie's voice is a oh. bit different, but we can talk about that later. Oh, yeah. my God. Yes, we have to talk about that. We will definitely talk about that. Um, and then yeah. we have Adam Lamberg. Yeah. Then we have Adam Lamberg as Gordo, uh, along with, like, all the other main characters from the show, except for Lelaine, a.k.a. Miranda, who was just, like, very, very aggressively missing in this movie. And mm -hmm. everything I could find about why she wasn't there was either that she had a scheduling conflict or that she was pursuing her music career. But to me, it's like scheduling conflict just does not check out. Like, how do you fuck up that bad to not be able to be in this movie, you know? I think it was, from what I heard too, is that I think it was her being like, oh, I want to focus on music. But then I think there was also something where, do you know that um, before Wizards of Waverly Place, Selena Gomez was maybe going to play um, uh, the little sister of Miranda in a show on Disney Channel. So I think there was I also talks that, that yeah. So I think they maybe filmed, they were also possibly filming a pilot and maybe then they, she's trying to like be more removed from, I don't know. And so, mm. yeah, it just didn't work out. And then I, I did see, you know, Lelaine is, she has a small role in the last season of Buffy, the Vampire Slayer. Um, oh. But yeah, that's around the same time too. Yeah. So maybe she had scheduling conflicts with that. Maybe she thought that was going to be a, I mean, it was like a three episode role, but <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, I, I don't, so I don't know, but 
Yeah, and then I, I feel like that's the last I saw of her acting. <laughs> so, okay, we wish that she was in this movie. Unfortunately, she wasn't. Um, but we do get uh, the one and only Yanni Gelman as Paolo. <laughs> uh, he, today, it seems like he... He definitely gets booked as, like, a character on a lot of, like, kind of one-off things on TV. Um, But sort of more around the era of Lizzie, he was in Greek. He was in Degrassi, The Next Generation. Uh, He was in Animorphs at one point. (gasps) (laughs) Didn't know that one. Amazing. What what a guy. Really the true star of this movie, if I must say, is uh, Alex Borstein as Mrs. Ungermeyer. (laughs) She's known for her roles on Family Guy, and she's also in Shameless, and now she in The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, uh, and she really steals the show, I think. Yeah, she, yes, she she's does. a powerful force She gets all a lot around. of screen time, too. She does. And she's like, I, she, go ahead. I was just saying when we watched it again, I was like, the fact that they created that character as the principal and we don't even get to see them go to high school, I'm I like, know. I want to see her run this school. I know. I know. Me, too. She, She's really underbilled on this movie too. Like she's billed mm-hmm. underneath like Ethan Craft. Like oh. that far down. <laughs> Which was shocking. Okay. Even yeah. though I loved him in this movie, but we'll get to that. Okay. So now we're getting into uh the like Rotten Tomatoes. So Rotten Tomatoes has the critic score of this movie is 41% and the audience score is 49%. That's shockingly low. It really surprised me, too. It surprised me, too. Because this is, like, a beloved favorite, like, not even ironically. People actually love this movie. Yeah. I know. I I think one thing that Audrey and I have really noticed through doing all these movies is that a lot of the time, the people that take the time to go to Rotten Tomatoes to rate shit just are haters inherently. Yeah. Yeah. So that may contribute to part of it. Um, But... Even with that being said, the budget for this movie was $17 million, and they broke that on opening weekend in the U.S. alone, and they ultimately grossed over $42 million. I picked two very short Rotten Tomatoes reviews. Uh, Audrey, would you like to read them? Sure. Cool. <laughs> okay. So the first one is from Angry Man Alan Jones of Radio Times. <laughs> he says, no three coins in the fountain cliche is left unused in this insane confection that is sugar-coated blandness personified and not remotely funny. Literally. Do you think that this movie was made for you, Alan Jones? Because <laughs> yeah. I don't think you're the primary audience of this film. But anyways. Yeah, that's... <laughs> that's that like Alan exactly. Jones. Alan Jones needs to learn how to have a little fun. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we always say is like... What do these, like, angry man film reviewers expect of these things, you know? (laughs) And actually, that comes up in the third review that I picked. So, Audrey, will you read the second review? Yeah. Okay, the second review from the much nicer Sarah Michelle Fetters of MovieFreak.com says, Granted, it's not going to ever be confused with an actual good movie, but for young kids looking for a diversion and parents hoping like crazy to find them one, this more than fits the bill. <laughs> looking for a diver? What kid is looking for a diversion? <laughs> I think the parents are looking for a diversion. Okay, so there's one long-ass review. However, I feel like it's really worth it, and uh, I will get through it quickly. This is by the uh, IMDb user Beatles1. And he wrote this on the release day of the movie, May 4th, 2004. The title of this review is Sick of People Cutting Down Liz and Nice Hillary. (laughs) Here we go. I am writing this message on all the bad negative bashing on Lizzie McGuire. First, I want to say I have a pretty good and diverse taste in films. I am into mostly classics of the 60s and 70s, such as Chinatown, The Godfather, and other movies of the time period. But like other genres, like horror, sci-fi, good dramas. That was a really well-worded sentence. And every now and then, a good old-fashioned family film is fun to watch. I had read about Hilary Duff and that her show, Lizzie McGuire, was a big hit with my little nieces, and they watch it, so I was like, what the hell, try it out. I loved it. It It was real cute and fun with a little message behind it. What family film doesn't? I think Hill is so much more nice and sweet than all these other sleazy, trampy young girl stars out there. Oh. Hell, I have to admit... Even the songs weren't that bad, kind of catchy. 
So anyway, about all these bad messages posted about this film and Hillary, I know people have the right to their opinions, but come on, it's a family film. What do you expect, Chinatown? Disney <laughs> makes movies for everyone's viewing. Can't expect deep and disturbing. You can't review this film to be, or you can't expect this film to be heavy because it's family oriented. As far as Hillary goes, come on, she's only what, 16, 17? Can't expect her to do Academy Award work, especially for Disney. She is smart to not be stooping so low and cutting down Avril, like she has been doing to her, saying things like she's such a mommy's girl and belittling her. With all the violence and hardcore language in films today, sometimes it's nice to watch a nice, feel-good, light family film, which is what Lizzie McGuire has to offer. This is the last thing he says. Hillary, if you are out there, I am behind you 100%. (laughs) Keep up the good work. Dave from Pennsylvania. P.S. Just ignore Avril. You are above that. (sighs) Which leads me to my last fact. I promise, which is that there is a well-documented rivalry between Hillary Duff and Avril Lavigne that I did not know about. Did either of you know about this? No, I knew about her and Lindsay Lohan. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, I didn't know much about the Avril. So I will send you the article about this, too, but there's an article on Paper Magazine documenting their rivalry, which basically all it was was that Hillary said in an interview that Avril should appreciate her fans more and not get mad that they dress up like her. And Avril came back and was like, um, was like, Hillary's a mommy's girl and I do what I want and she can go screw herself. (laughs) So basically it it was just Hillary like being really measured and reasonable and Avril just like being an asshole. (laughs) I love Avril, but I feel like her whole shtick was also very, like, it It was, like, created to some degree. So I feel like rather than doing, like, what most, like, PR teams do for an artist, like, like what they would do for, like, Hillary, I feel like her team is, like, no, like, say some Go shit. Go for it. Go for uh-huh. it. Like, uh-huh. and probably yeah. just be, like, yeah, like, be angsty. Because some of it is just, like, yeah, but. Hillary's, like, the, like, exact opposite end of the spectrum of, like, what Avril's brand was trying to be. Mm-hmm, she totally. was just such, like, this sweet girl in every movie. Totally. Just so reasonable. Every also, time. Mm-hmm. Um, I just need to touch upon Beatles 1 wi- real quick. <laughs> the do. ultimate soft boy. <laughs> Except, yeah, I mean, I, I do appreciate most of his sentiment. Not the slut shaming. Could have done mm-hmm. without that. Are um are just yeah are just kind of the the weird misogynistic touch of like because you're a good girl Hillary like we don't need that um but I appreciate that he at least had an open mind to um content made for primarily young women he did have points <laughs> yeah it was a really funny way to frame it but he was right okay so the last thing that we talk about before we take our break is um. The things we remember the most about this movie before rewatching it. So, if Melissa and Mia, if you want to go first, please tell us the things you remember. Sort of what I remember most from when I first saw this when I was a kid, I feel like something that stuck in my head was like, so I was maybe six when I first saw this. And at the time, the fact that they're like 14 in the movie, they're supposed to be like just coming out of eighth grade. At that time, I was like, yeah, that's like old not like old old but I just thought like oh when you're like 13 or above you're a teenager like of course you're like practically an adult so it didn't (laughs) I thought it made sense like oh I'm sure when I'm 14 I'm gonna be having adventures in Italy too like that's like kind of my recollection of that and also the fact that kind of also maybe to segue a little bit into um what Mia, or something Mia might bring up, but I definitely, I think as a kid, obviously not at the end, of, not by the end of the movie, but in the start of the movie, I think I thought Paula was cute. <laughs> yeah, so embarrassing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, that was going to be my first thought on that, and I think Melissa knows my feelings. I saw this for the first time, like, a few years after it was released. I got it from Blockbuster, and I would have, like, sleepovers with my friend Audrey, and we'd watch, like, a movie like this and then just, like, chat about it and paint our nails. It was very, like, girly 2000 sleepover. (laughs) So I got this from Blockbuster, and we watched this and just, like, 
tore Paulo apart. We did not find him cute. Like, we just thought he was so ridiculous. And then by the time he gets, like, spoiler alert, but embarrassed at the end, we were just, like, tearing him a new one. We were just, like, eight and being so mean about Paulo. So that's, like, something I remember distinctly. But I also, on the more positive side, like, thought Lizzie was just so cool and awesome and a role model and, like, she gets to be the coolest girl at the end, and I just, like, loved Lizzie. My favorite line is when she says, um, you're a brown noser with a hidden agenda. <laughs> Classic. Um, and, yes, and I always thought she was saying, um, hint of magenta. <laughs> <laughs> the moment at the end where Hillary Duff but it turns out it's actually a body double but maybe we'll talk about that later but the moment in what uh this is what dreams are made of she like shimmies and there's this awful green screen <laughs> there's this awful green screen of the Coliseum yes we were talking about <laughs> it's just so like amazing and awful and it's not her um, say, it's just a different voice in that part it's an entirely different yep. voice like it's, an, it's clearly yeah, like so. an adult woman suddenly and uh one of the lines that did stick with me though is when mrs Un- miss not mrs ms i guess Ungermeyer is with like the, with the security guard guy <laughs> Oh, yeah. And we're going to talk about that. But uh, when she's like, gelato, like that, (laughs) that's what I remember very deeply. before Lizzie and Paolo meet, right? (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot to talk about with this movie, and we've already talked about a lot. So um, I think we're going to take our break now. Normally, we'd go watch the movie, but we prepared in advance this time. So uh, if you're at home and you're listening, you've got to break out the Disney Plus Break out your friends, Disney Plus, maybe, and come back and be ready to join in on our conversation. Ooh. <laughs> Yay! Ooh. Hello, everyone. My name is Matt Neglia, and I am the host of the Next Best Picture podcast, part of the Film Entertainment Awards website, Next Best Picture. On our show, we explore all year long what is possibly going to win Best Picture at the Oscars. We do this by conducting interviews with people within the film industry, holding weekly reviews of the latest theatrical releases, and on our main show, where we dive into various different topics, answer your fan questions, and also do our best to explore Oscar history's past in hopes that it will tell us something new for this upcoming award season race. We hope that you will join us on all of the various podcasting networks. We look forward to seeing you over at nextbestpicture.com. back and we are ready to break down the elements of the Lizzie McGuire movie. Let's just start with parts that we appreciated maybe to a new depth upon rewatch and um, Melissa and Mia what were your thoughts? I liked the dynamic between like Lizzie and her family finally kind of coming to a head in the movie mm-hmm. whereas like a lot of the show was her development of like being a teenager and not really like appreciating her parents or struggling with that relationship. And then I, like, also, Melissa and I have always been, like, Hallie Todd fans. We just think that she's so funny. The mom. (laughs) Okay, we have this. This is really random, but we have this running joke. Um, But it's that, it's because I saw it, like, there's a 2000s meme account or something I follow. Mm. Yeah, they posted a clip of the Lizzie McGuire theme song. And the person who runs this account wrote, they were like, it wasn't just me or did you guys picture the mom singing the theme song? (laughs) And now we... (laughs) We can't unhear it, and now, like, every but time there's, like, a female song, we're like, oh, it's Hallie Johnson. <laughs> what's also so funny is that the comment section of the person who posted that, they were all like, what are you talking about? That's ridiculous. <laughs> and I was like, honestly, I see it. There's, like, that incredible cover of The Tide is High by Atomic Kitten at the yes. beginning of the movie. Mm, and yes. so when we were watching it, like, Melissa said to me, she's like, I think Hallie's singing this one, too. <laughs> like, we were just looking around. <laughs> 
she's just a, she's just a woman of many talents. People don't. She. I know. I was saying because that's by like Atomic Kitten. I was like, yeah. Did you know Hallie Todd's in Atomic Kitten? <laughs> just to fuck with me. <laughs> I just liked that. Like, there's a emotional airport scene when like Lizzie's leaving for Rome, and like there's just nice parent and Lizzie connection in the movie that I think is really sweet because they do have such a strong relationship. And then there's also like the crazy element of like. Matt pretending to miss Lizzie and, like, putting on an Oscar-worthy performance. And I always have loved Matt, too. But, like, (laughs) kind of crazy that, like, we're expected to believe that they just, like, miss Lizzie, so they're going to go to Rome and, like, crash her high school trip. That's kind of crazy. But, like, also the family dynamic is sweet. Lately, me and I have watched a lot of, like, the Lizzie McGuire show. Like, it's Mm -hmm. something we actually watch a lot as we've worked on the zine and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I haven't done, we haven't gone through, like, a full rewatch of the series yet. But we're in, like, season two now. And the thing that I like now when watching Lizzie McGuire movie is... Uh, seeing this development, you know, that's happening also between Gordo and Lizzie and, and like, their mm. relationship. And I think the thing is, I almost remembered the Lizzie McGuire movie more than the show for a while. So I think in my head I was always like, oh, you know, Gordo just has a crush on Lizzie. Like, that's that's a big part of the plot. When really in the show, that's not, like, a thing that's always happening. And I like the idea mm. then that, like, when you get to at least the movie that... It feels very, like, it does feel genuine that he, it's like, they're just very good friends. And it's Mm -hmm. kind of like a very sweet little connection they have, especially, you know, at the end. And also, we always say, like, I think we've talked to you about, we know, we love a good Gordo-centric episode sometimes. So, so seeing um, the Gordo get, like, his sort of, like, moment with Lizzie is very sweet. I also just want to interject that I found out recently that Adam Lamberg was 20 years old during the Lizzie McGuire movie. And I am 20 right now. Most of the cast were like 17, but he was 20. And he, out of everyone, looks the most like 13, 14. Wow. And so I rewatched yeah. it this time with that lens, just being like, I cannot believe that this man is my age. They keep talking about Lizzie's dream in this movie. Like, that she's going like, to get her dream. And we're like what is her dream? And then the <laughs> second point. Cool. Well, right. And then it's like the whole time they're like, uh, you're not like, you're not going to be awkward. Like you're not going to feel embarrassed. You're not going to do whatever. But it's like, she's already actually not awkward. Like she's already pretty normal. They yeah. try to, they do like throughout this show, especially they keep on like emphasizing things like, oh, Lizzie's always getting into like goofy things, you know? And obviously yeah. she like, there's the beginning of the movie when she sort of, you know, messes up the graduation and stuff. Right. So right. I think it's sort of about her like in that sense, but it is true to also, kind of although what you were saying, it reminded me another thought I had when watching the movie. She's talking about, you know, like, yeah, her dream and all that. Because the whole Lizzie McGuire show is always just her kind of, you know, being a teenage tween discovering yeah. herself. And she's pretty average the whole yeah, time. Yeah, pretty average. And I think what's funny is then this whole singing thing comes in and it's not like that was ever <laughs> in. Like, the fact that she can just apparently sing and she's ready to do it in the Coliseum and not pass out. Like, <laughs> there was like a little bit of foreshadowing, I feel like, when she's singing in the mirror in the opening sequence. Yeah, but that's, like that's all in we the get. movie, yeah. though, too. Like, the show was never like, oh, Lizzie has musical interests. All of a sudden it's like, actually, did you know that Lizzie's like, like she's gonna be a pop star maybe. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Audrey and I had that same exchange. I was like, okay, so I'm guessing her dream is that she wants to sing, and I'm guessing that montage was supposed to make us think, like, figure that out. Something about, like, I feel like the idea of, like, vacation and going summer movies is very early 2000s. And specific, yeah. the fact that yeah. you mentioned how this came out in summer 03, it just mm-hmm. makes so much sense to me. Because it's just, <laughs> I feel like as a kid, I saw so many movies that were about, like, an adventure. Not, like, you know, like, an extreme adventure, but just the idea of, like, like how there's, like, the Mary-Kate and Ashley movies where they're always going to yep. different places. Mm-hmm. So I think yeah. that that is something that's fun. But another thing I appreciate um, as well though is kind of another relationship thing is sort of the I guess the her um how Lizzie and Kate sort of start rebuilding their friendship Mm -hmm. because that's always talked about in the show that they were once friends Kate got popular dropped Lizzie and Miranda and I like how in the movie there's sort of this foreshadowing that maybe when they go to high school they might actually be more friends again because they bonded in Italy and Kate covered for her 
and all that. I think that's an interesting, kind of a cool character development thing that they did. Yeah, Kate has, like, development at the end, too, when she eats a plate of spaghetti. Like, (laughs) she's got some progress. (laughs) Okay, in that moment, though, I always love it to get back, like, because it's, like, it's, like, a kind of a sweet moment that also, like, you know, maybe her and Ethan are even bonding more kind of Mm -hmm. genuinely. But Ethan says this line, he's, like, because she's, like, I just, I don't know anymore. And Ethan's, like... That's hot. It's it's not cool when girls yes. think they know everything. I was like, you, yeah. oh, Ethan hates when women think they know things. Like, like he's yeah. like, women, women who think they're intelligent, please. Like, yes. He's like, he please, don't he, give me any of that. He said it's a turnoff. And then I also appreciated uh, in the airport when Gordo, like, sees uh, Isabella and, like, runs up to her. <laughs> the airport cops that grab him are, like, <laughs> these, like, incredibly snatched beautiful women with, like, full faces of makeup. That was actually a fan. That was that. a fantasy scene for Gordo, actually. It was a dream sequence. <laughs> Little known fact. Parts that are worse now. What do we think? Well, something that hit me that I don't think hit me as a kid, but definitely has hit me now, would be the terrible, awful Italian accent that Paula was faking. <laughs> like, yeah. like, that's just... And I... Because I really... And it was funny when we were watching, I was like, where... I was like, he's... This is a terrible accent, right? Like, he's faking this entirely. And then when I looked up Yanni Gelman, who we mentioned before, that mm-hmm. he's Canadian. So I was like, yeah, <laughs> this is just a... Te- like... It's it's specifically bad. Like and um, Hillary Duff's that she does when she's Isabella is bad, but I feel like it's at least a little more excusable because she's only doing it for like a, a little fraction of the movie. Right, and I'm like, right. they casted this guy. They were like, yep. yeah, he. This is how he sounds, and he's mm-hmm. gonna be the one. I can't really think of too much. We did talk about this, and I feel like they did a pretty good job. I guess also just. I guess not. I think we're not told problematic yet, right? We're going more for just like basic bad. Yes. The one that I could think of was like, why would they send Gordo home on a plane by himself (laughs) if I'm supposed to be like 13? And like, wouldn't that be awesome? Couldn't you just not go to the airport and hang out in Rome? Like, there was a lot. Yep. responsibly on Mrs. Ungermeyer that didn't seem to line up there. But. Yeah, that would have never happened. Like, they would never be like, okay, you messed up on the ship. They would just put him, like, unlocked in the hotel. They wouldn't be like, okay, 14-year-old kid, you're flying back, 10-hour flight by yourself home. <laughs> like, yeah. um, I did, when I, I rewatched it at one point, actually, in my freshman year of college with a couple of my roommates back then, and there's this moment that we all just, like, collectively screamed at, and it's very subtle. <laughs> But it's in the montage, one of the many montages, where, um, but it's the one where Paolo and Lizzie are practicing and oh, like yes. on that stage yes. practicing. And, yes. but there's a part specifically where she like, she body rolls. And for some yes. reason, Lizzie doing this body roll like sent me back. Like I was like, no, that should, like, why did they put that in there? I literally wrote that down. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> the body roll. It's such a because- moment. When the montage happened, I was like, oh my god, the editing is actually insane for this montage. <laughs> and the, the fact that they use, like, freeform jazz as, like, <laughs> Oh, <song>. god. <laughs> I know, like, obviously, with a lot of movies, right, you take yourself, you, you take yourself out of reality, you put yourself into it, especially with, you know, a Disney Channel type thing. Mm-hmm. But it is like this, I was saying to me when we were watching it, I was like, can you imagine you're, like, think about when you were 14, and you're just like, okay, yeah, okay, twist my arm, I'll practice this dance and perform at this Italian <laughs> At the Coliseum. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like it may be worthwhile for us to just really talk about the the number. The song. You know, the the dancers. <laughs> oh, oh the, the, the arm movements, like the shoulder thrust back they and forth. They do like forth. a like, thing where she's like Yeah, this, me and, and I will like... attempt it. I'm Lizzie. It's yeah, like, wait. You have to like... kind of lean back and then I like pull you in with my shoulder. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. I will say um, an amazing thing. One is... Um, the outfits, both Lizzie and Isabella's. I the green outfit and the silver outfit are very iconic. Yes, and I love that moment when they they rip off the skirt thing to reveal like the the pop star pants. Lizzie yeah. has yeah. them. There's also I'm sorry I feel like I'm talking too much, but just at, at, this moment always sticks to me. But first of all, just the line. 
yesterday my life was duller, now everything's technicolor, and then that <laughs> rainbow, like, strobe it, yeah. and they spin around her in, like, a crazy, like, ritual-like circle. <laughs> it's a lot. She'll be singing a phrase, and then it'll go a little bit higher, and it'll just be mm. a totally different person's singing voice. Like, that was just jarring. It's just like, why wouldn't they have just dubbed the whole thing? Is kind of what I think. Like, why? Well, like, just pushed her up a little bit with some auto-tune. Like, it's already yeah. pretty auto-tuned. I feel yeah, like right. Hillary yeah. definitely could have hit those notes. We do have to give it props, though. Like, that song is awesome. That's mm. a yes. great, like, yes. teen movie main song. Super catchy, super fun. Like, that is I feel true. like everyone likes that after they watch it. That is true. And, like, I do feel Beatles like Beatles 1 liked it. <laughs> yes. yes. Beatles 1 liked it. I do feel like anybody around our age, like, if you say, sing to me, Paolo, like, everybody knows what you're talking about. How big of a, like, hole is there in the vibe with Miranda being gone? That's a difficult question because, like, we love Miranda because she's in Lizzie McGuire, but maybe didn't like Miranda that much. <laughs> okay. Um, okay yeah. like, we didn't dislike her, but her character is just kind of like annoying sometimes. Like she just will get like mad at Lizzie or get super excited about something that's like not really that big of a deal. Like she's just kind of like a chaotic character. Okay. Yeah. So I feel like for me, I wasn't missing that much not having her there because like I just don't really see what she would have done or added to the story. I'll be honest, too. It's not the best acting. Like, I know they're kids, but specifically Miranda, even compared to young Hilary Duff, is, like, it's a little rough to watch sometimes. And I kind of feel like if her character had been actually in the movie, she'd kind of just be there to be, like... Like, okay, Gordo was definitely jealous because he liked Lizzie and was kind of jealous that Lizzie was spending this time with Paolo. But Miranda would have been a lot worse because she probably just would have been jealous that Lizzie was getting this cool-seeming thing happening to her and would have been, like, a Mm -hmm. wet blanket. Yeah, so I guess kind of a hot take. I think it maybe was for the best. (laughs) (laughs) How dated or problematic is this movie? I really only had... I had three things written down and one of them doesn't really count. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> first I'd like is, to hear him, yeah. Yes. So the first one was that uh, if Lizzie's like 14 when she was like, and Paolo's 17. Like she was just like really excited about that age gap. You know how at the beginning you guys were like uh, Mrs. Ungermeyer and the security guy? Yeah. <laughs> like like their budding romance. Like Audrey and I were talking about how that feels really similar to uh in the end of Princess Diaries 2. I was thinking that today. Yeah. Yes! But mostly, mostly in the sense that it's like obviously these characters are lesbian. Why are you yeah. giving them these love interests? Like just let yeah. them be, you know. I'm always pushing for characters to be gay, honestly, but Me like too. that's too. just the vibe that I get. I mean, and Lily is like the gayest character like ever like yeah she has that powerful vibe to me you mean lily but, uh, in the princess diaries in the yes. princess diaries yeah. yeah i was like uh when they were uh watching the fireworks at that one part in the middle which by the way that ballad really sent me somewhere uh <laughs> that was so funny <laughs> when, when, they, when they just like looked at each other for a long time i was like okay that's where the kiss would have been but they yeah. didn't but they just looked at each other <laughs> I wonder if there is one on the cutting room floor. I bet there is. Yeah, I bet there, there had is to be too. a take. There there has to be. They just wouldn't have wanted Lizzie to kiss him because he's like so evil. Eventually, I feel like yeah, it yeah, was yeah, intentional yeah. because Lizzie is so like perfect in the movie and like is and such then, a, like, and this good pure girl. Like they wouldn't probably want to save that perfect that. first kiss for Gordo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is. <laughs> Oh my god, which we didn't even talk about, which is so yeah. unearned and so random when it happens. I mean, if you know the backstory, I feel like I feel like it is yeah. though, like yeah, with the like I said with the show, I think what is kind of nice is that it wasn't like the entire series was about Gordo like being in love with Lizzie and trying to like get um her to like him too. They're very much friends and then I think maybe the idea in the movie especially is that 
probably even things happening with Paulo made Gordo realize, like, oh, like, I do yeah. be like Lizzie. And then he did, like, he saved Lizzie's ass by being like, you know what, it's me. I'm sneaking out of t- the hotel and was ready to go back to the U.S. for her. Like, yeah. right. so I did feel like... And then saved like, her again from Paulo. Yeah. So I, right. feel like, I feel like it was a pretty earned kiss, honestly. I, I also found it to be kind of like a 10... Like, honestly, I get kind of weirdly... Sometimes I'm just like, uh, like, like kissing scene sometimes I'm like oh god no but honestly there's I'm like you know what kind, sweet. kind of tender terrible yeah, word know, but kind of tender <laughs> I, did, <laughs> I did remark to Audrey that it felt really realistically awkward yes mm-hmm. which I liked and it wasn't like a huge like perfect fireworks like there was fireworks but like <laughs> not like this like amazing I'm 14 and having the best kiss in the world moment either. It was just kind right. of like a sweet, like we kissed and now it's like, oh, we like each other and we're friends. Like, I appreciated that. I think to me, it is such a quintessential, like obviously it's cheesy. I think it does feel so like to me, like quintessential, like summer 03 type vibe. Just mm-hmm. it makes me feel like a kid who's excited about the idea of like life again. That sounds like I'm really bleak now. I'm not that bleak. But like, but like I remember being a kid and seeing something like this and just thinking like, wow, like life is going to be so amazing when I'm older. You know, it still can be. That's a message I will leave. I'm manifesting it out there. I like got like a warm, fuzzy feeling in my heart when you started talking about how this is the kind of movie that made you like excited to be grown up. Yeah. Like that feels... Very true. Or it's like that same feeling. Maybe this is too niche, but probably not. Like when you like go, like you go on vacation with your family and you'd be like at, at a restaurant and you would like moodily go stand somewhere by yourself yes. to see like if someone would notice you. <laughs> no, no, yeah. it's exactly that. No, it reminds me too, not just of like wanting to be older, but being a kid and like the excitement I would feel when I would go on trips with my family, wherever it was, whether I, we were, because I always lived in California. So mm-hmm. whether it was within California or anywhere else, like, okay, specifically never went to Europe, but when I was eight and I went to New York, like I was like eight years old, but I like, I remember there's a point where now we went, I bought, I, I got my dad to buy me a, uh, a fake uh, Dooney and Burke purse on the street <laughs> from a from a you know one of those sellers and they yeah. and then I went I and I got this pair of sunglasses too and eight year old me walked around Manhattan thinking like I'm gonna like someone's gonna scout me like and someone's gonna fall in love with me I was eight years old but because like things like the Lizzie McGuire movie made me feel like that was possible so even when I was eight like I was like all right big city dreams you know like yeah. here we go and even though that was like never gonna happen it was pretty fun to think that it would you know the thing is I'd fully thought it would. <laughs> like I at that point like as I got older obviously but like at eight years old I was like yeah like I was like I'm gonna run into a celebrity a celebrity boy and they're gonna fall in love with me which also hopefully not I'm eight years old but like I <laughs> definitely <laughs> like just thought that was possible and I like that things like the Liz McGuire movie are so just like yeah this is life this is possible and well yeah it's not I do think you know there are just some like random fun things that happen to you when you're a kid, even when you're older. And when you have like even moments that are slightly like that, like even again, recently going back to New York in 2019, I was in New York again. Obviously it's so much different. I was 21 at this time and I'm, I'm staying with friends there mm-hmm. and it would make me feel like, wow, like I'm doing this. Like I'm a young adult and I'm going to a bar with my friends. Like, mm-hmm. and we're walking around the city. Like it makes me feel like I'm like Lizzie McGuire or Carrie Bradshaw or something. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever thing I'm relating to. And I think that's fun to sometimes like get to have these things that make you want to imagine that and almost like see your reality as even more fun than maybe it inherently is. Yeah. We're really cut from the same cloth in that sense. (laughs) I think so. I think so too. (laughs) And that's why we love these movies so much. Yeah. Everyone feels this nostalgia when we watch them and we love them as kids because they really did just put big ideas into our heads and make life seem exciting for us. Yes. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) So... Honestly, I needed this, guys. I needed this <laughs> The last thing I had written was just, is this a worthwhile movie? Yes. And yes. I th- imagine that we actually know. Um, I- <laughs> <laughs> After all that. <laughs> like, and 
no, uh, I think this I've... one's so worth it. Yeah. I I think it's a classic. It's just a good pick-me-up. Like, yeah. it really is. I think as long as you have, no matter who you are, and if you have an open mind like Beatles one, it will, you'll, you'll have a good time watching it. <laughs> Honestly, any skepticism I had, you just literally, like, rhetorical <laughs> strategied me out of. Like, I'm... <laughs> Like, I am all That's what board. we came here to do. Yeah, we're just actually, <laughs> our whole project was actually just hoping that we could get our Lizzie propaganda. We're going to go collect our Lizzie McGuire checks after this. From from Hallie yeah. Todd herself. <laughs> <laughs> we're actually just Hallie Todd's PR team. This is all like a big ruse to get her back in like the media cycle. We're just like yes. trying to plant, plant it everywhere. You guys should get Hallie Todd on the show. Oh my God. I feel like you totally could do I'm going to, I'll try. I will try, and if we do, you will definitely be involved in it. <laughs> oh, I because love that. That's just <laughs> that's how we that. gotta do it. <laughs> Seriously, thank you both for joining us. This was like incredible. <laughs> thank you so you. much for having us. We had a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah, so, no, this was great. So again, do you want to just share like your social media handles for the people? Yeah. Um, my personal Instagram is at wholesome goth it's wholesome.goth and obviously we have the youth culture ones too so it's mm-hmm. at youth culture 2000 on instagram also youthculture2000.com of course it's also at youth culture 2000 for tiktok which we have yes a lot of fun on mm-hmm. we just are we've been posting new content so that's exciting my personal is at youthculture.myspace on instagram and then you can find both of us at any of the other ones and then the last thing I wanted to plug was we have print versions of the zine getting oh mailed to us this weekend. So they'll be coming Ooh. out very soon. Again, just find any information on that. You can find our zine, our interactive message board, our profiles, and some friends on youthculture2000.com. Okay. You can find us all on there. <laughs> yes. yes, exactly. You yeah. are to the Youth Culture Network. You can As find Hannah and Audrey. Yes. <laughs> Anyone who's listening, go there and have some fun. Yes, seriously. Everyone, go check it out. And um, until next time. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank Bye. you so you can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at tupingpictures.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at tupingpictures and would love to hear from you there. And if you like the show, if it brings back evocative memories of childhood or tweendom or babysitting, share an episode of your choice with your friends. And maybe even leave us an iTunes review telling us what movie you'd like to see us cover next. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts and is edited and produced by me, Hannah Ray Leach. Special thanks to mixing engineer Sean Rule Hoffman and executive producers Michael D'Aloya and David Moss. Our show music is by Josh Perlman Hall. We'll chat again soon. Bye. Hi, I'm Christina Yerling Biro, host of the podcast Pop Culture Confidential. Join me as I go way behind the scenes with some of the most influential people in entertainment and media. Hear actors such as Succession's Brian Cox talk about his favorite characters to play. There always has to be a mystery. The audience have to be in a situation where they want to know what's going on. Meet studio execs like Pixar chief Pete Docter and learn his secret on how he makes us cry. Emotion is our first language. And so many others who are defining popular culture, from Obama speechwriter David Litt to Top Chef host Padma Lakshmi. We don't often think about food politically or we don't want to, but it really is. Join me. Search for Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.